going on everybody this is ozzy this is my podcast and uh happy friday to everybody well i don't know when you're gonna i don't know where you're gonna be listening to the episode but today is friday morning um and today's interview is with nadim hajar very interesting fellow which if if you don't know nadim uh listen to the to the interview learn a little bit about him but if you get a chance to look him up or hang out with him uh give him a call uh super interesting guy he's done a lot of things over the 39 years uh, he's been around. But um, uh, more importantly, uh, we just got the notice that a lot of bars and restaurants are, are, well, bars are closing down, restaurants going back to 50% because of the amount of cases coming up. So, um, you know, you guys be safe out there. If you guys have to make it out into the streets uh, or whatnot, you know, put your mask on, uh, take your hand sanitizer, do the social distancing, you know, things like that. Um, you know, not necessarily for you, but for others, you know, just keep in mind everybody else's safety. Um, you know, if you got to go out, you know, do it carefully, do it safely. Um, you know, all together, hopefully we can get through this thing quickly enough. But, uh, you know, good thing for me is you guys are back in quarantine. So you can listen to this episode and all the other ones. So just hit the subscribe button, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you know, all the other stuff. Um, check them out. Let me know what you think. Uh, but for now, I hope you guys enjoy uh, this interview with uh, Nadim. Fucking cool guy. Here you go. <laughs> See, perfect. Um, hesitation. So the hesitation. Are we starting now? Yeah, we're going now. Everything gets recorded, and then we just. Break it up later. Oh, you just break it up. Yeah, you? just chop it up. If I need to. If it's good enough, I'll leave it in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, right? I'm sure you will. I'm so, sure you I, will. so I have a couple of questions right from the get-go. Yeah. Nadim, and then what's your last name? Nadim Hajar. 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 Mm-hmm. Do you have a middle name? Nadim Neji Hajar. Nadim Nedi Hajar. Neji Hajar. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the name is... Lebanese. Lebanese. Okay. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. T- t- talk to me a little bit about that. So my father was born and raised in Lebanon. Okay. Um, and my father's name was Neji. So usually in family tradition, the oldest son gets named after, you know, his father. Mm-hmm. Right. So my dad's father's name was Nadim. Okay. Right. So that's why he named me Nadim Neji, which is his name. Okay. So like, say if I have a first boy. And okay. he's the oldest, the first one. I would name him Neji. Okay. So that's kind of like how it falls. And how many, how many of it, how many siblings were there? Are um, there? My father had, I think, like five or six. Okay. Something like that. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? You think? I don't. Re- I just a lot of them, man. I really don't know. I mean, there's. <laughs> I, I mean, I should know because I've even lived out there and stuff like that. But, I mean, I think there's. He had one sister. He had a. Uh, um, her name was Silvana, and then Masoud's the youngest. Beshit, Talad. Hekmad. So there's five. Okay. There's five of them. And you, mm. you say you, so you haven't met all of them? Or? No, I met all of them. Yeah. Okay. I, no, I mean, I used to go to Lebanon since I was like a child. You know, we would go there to travel and stuff. So and you, visit family. you were born in the States. I was born in the States okay. here in El Paso, born and raised. Born mm. and raised. And then mm. your dad was born in Lebanon. My dad was born in Lebanon. And he came over to El Paso? He came over to El Paso in the late 70s. Okay. Um, he had a cousin that lived here. You know, my father was in the Lebanese army, basically. Okay. And he had to escape during the Civil War. Okay. 
And when he escaped, he came to the States and he came to El Paso because we had a cousin here. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then your dad uh, was in real estate or construction no, no, I mean, or yeah, my, architect, something yeah, like that, right? Yeah, he was in construction. And back home, his our, my grandpa owned a manchar, which is like a marble factory, okay. which is everything in, in Lebanon is built with cinder block and marble covering the back, the outside of it. Right. So, yeah, my father came through construction. Okay. I mean, my last name, Hajar, means rock sculptor. Okay. So it's kind of like builder, you know? Okay. And construction's run in my family for like three generations. Wow. Okay, so, mm -hmm. so he's in the army. He escapes the Civil War. Comes to El Paso, starts hanging out with my cousin, um, somehow... Meets my mom at English school here down the street in downtown El Paso. Okay. Met my mom. Him and his one of his cousins went to go on a first date there at Denny's in Juarez, right when you cross the free bridge. <laughs> okay. They couldn't speak English. My mom didn't speak English. They, my dad didn't speak English. They met. Your mom didn't speak English? No. Your mom spoke what? My mom's Mexican from, from Mexico, from Chihuahua. Ah, okay. And she was coming here to go to English school. And oh. they met... A month later, got married. Couldn't even speak English, man. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. And they got yeah. married. And they got married a month later. Uh -huh. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, okay, you're the... Where, where do you fall in the siblings? The I'm, oldest? I'm the you oldest. Uh -huh. You're the oldest. I'm okay. the oldest, and then I have my sister, Linda. Okay. And then I have my brother, Ted. Oh, mm. okay. So, oh, so maybe I asked the question wrong. I thought you said five siblings in Lebanon that you've never... No, no, five siblings of my dad. Of your dad. Of oh, okay, okay. But you have, I have two three, others. I have two of them. Two others. Okay. Uh -huh. Well, one other, because one passed away. One, and yeah, yeah, yeah. again, my condolences and of everybody's course, condolences. You. And if, you know, yeah. uh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. So, okay. So they meet in school. He doesn't know English. She doesn't know English. Or what did your dad speak? My dad would just speak Lebanese. Arabic. Lebanese. Arabic. 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 Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Is this... Uh, my altar came from all places across from the world in my travels. Okay. Um, but nothing from there came from Lebanon. Nothing came from these, Lebanon. These um, really big arguiles that I have, like which are like antique hookahs. They're like hookahs, yeah. Yeah, they actually came from an estate cell here in the Northeast. Okay. Yeah. So, and, and the accent that you have is, I'm assuming, Lebanon Yeah, it's, it's Arabic, kind of. Arabic. So mm -hmm. you know Arabic? No, not as much as I used to. Okay. I used to a lot more because the first time I traveled there, I was about like 10 years old. Okay. And then mm -hmm. when I went the first time, it was like a family trip. But I really enjoyed it a lot. So every summer after that, I went on my own, flew with some family friends from here. Okay. And I would go and spend at least like two, three months out of the summer there when I was younger. Wow. So I used to know a lot more before than I do now. When's the last time you went? A long time ago, man. It was like, I think, 2009. In 2009? 2009. Mm -hmm. You know Spanish because of your mom? Your mom talked yeah, Spanish? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Your mom's still around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's still around. Your uh -huh. dad's... No, no, my dad passed away, I think, about 16 years ago. Okay. Mm -hmm. So your dad, and then going back to your dad. So he was in construction, mm -hmm. and then he came to El Paso. Came to El Paso. Um, he started working for Ted Karam. So Ted Karam basically took care of the Lebanese community. Anyone came from the motherland, they would come, and they would come and ask him for work. So my dad started from scratch. I mean, sweeping floors, you know, just getting what kind of work, whatever he did. And then Ted Karam asked him about if he could do some kind of electrical work or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then he found out that my dad was capable of doing a lot more than just sweeping floors. And then from then on, he gave him a project to build a shopping center in the Northeast, like in the early 80s. Okay. And that's basically how my, get, my dad got started. It was from the Karam family, from Ted Karam. Okay. Mm -hmm. So he built, he built a, a shopping center? He built a shopping center, uh-huh. And, and then, then Ted Karam saw his potential and started helping him with other finances. 
and then um, next came just like remodeling houses. Okay. And then eventually he built a duplex where when I was born, I was, I was taken there after like a year or two. Okay. And then uh, my dad got like a big loan from a bank. And then that's when he built the house that I grew up in for many years out in the west side off of um, Boy Scout Lane. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then he got into construction. new construction. Yeah. And then right? he just started building homes for family, friends, stuff like that. And then, yeah, he just he had a niche, which is his luxury custom homes. Basically. Okay. All custom. None of my dad's houses were ever, you know, they're not cookie cutters, you know, like we see now that, that we used to sell or whatever that I used to sell. Right. Like every single house was completely redesigned. Because I still sell. <laughs> <laughs> you, you still sell that. I don't sell those anymore. Okay. You know? But um, How many houses did he build? Do you know? I don't know, man. But I'm starting to get into, I have to start, I'm starting to figure out as many as I can to see because I'm, I'm, me and Sandy have a little thing going on a little like little secret project that we have not secret but trying to start i have a little i have some things that i have to start figuring out in order to see how many houses is built but from the scratch i really don't know but it's a lot of houses man wow yeah. okay yeah so what uh how, how did your dad pass my dad passed away in a motorcycle accident in 2004 okay. um driving up to go see um check on the parade of homes that he was building at the moment off of ojo de agua is where he passed away Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, when the parade of homes came around, my dad always used to build two houses. Mm-hmm. You know, he would build one his style, the way that he wanted it, and then the other house would be like two, two modern times. You know what I mean? Okay. But uh, yeah, that's how the motorcycle accident, man. How old were you when when this happened? I was twenty four years old. You were twenty four. Mm-hmm. Were you mm-hmm. already in real estate? No, no, I was living in Austin, Texas. What were you doing in Austin? Uh, nothing really, man. Just. <laughs> I, I moved to Austin when I was 19 years old. Okay. And I was just there doing whatever, selling cars, um, finding just jobs, you know, just, I was just young, not really doing nothing much. at all, not much. What? You went to school here in El Paso? I, I went to school Where'd here. Where'd you graduate from? I graduated from Coronado, but I went to Franklin. So I went to Franklin for two years and then I went to Coronado. You say it like it's better. No, I mean, it, it, it's the same. <laughs> it's the same shit. I mean, it's two blocks away the same, man. you know, come on, man. It's right. It's the same thing. I mean, what did you what did you do in high school? What did I do in high school? Hmm, that's a very interesting question, Nasi. Honestly, man, I was kind of a malandro. Okay. You know, I used to get down a lot and party and hang out, and I had a lot of different types of friends, you know. And um, really, I didn't really. I just skipped school and partying. Go. What did I? I went to Juarez a lot. I think we all did. Uh, day drinking, you know, the strip, the whole, the whole shabam, you know, Cabana, Reno, right? You know, go to the Campestre and drive around and go do the damn thing with my homies. I mean, I don't know. It just, I, I enjoyed life big time, right? My whole life, you know. But high school, I just didn't really. I never really was in school, you know. Okay. Yeah. Well, did you? So I'm assuming you didn't do sports are I did not do sports no I was not into sports or none of that stuff you know I mean I played sports when I was younger like baseball basketball soccer and all that but when I went to high school and I got my first car my first truck it was over from there man you know <laughs> they couldn't they couldn't keep up with they me, couldn't man. give you no, they couldn't keep up with me man <laughs> no 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 I was crazy man honestly I was kind of pretty crazy okay you so know? you graduate high school mm-hmm. and then you take off to Austin yeah, graduated high school, took off to Austin with an ex-girlfriend of mine at the time from here, and we just 
packed her SUV and just drove out there, you know, and it was, it was kind of interesting because we both didn't know what we were doing. We both left our families kind of like no help, no nothing, mm -hmm. you know, and her father was a cardiologist, so she came from money also. And it was just kind of like, we didn't have like the blessing and go and we'll help you out and support you or go to school, whatever mm -hmm. she did. She went to go to school. She went to community college out there, but that's pretty much it, mm -hmm. you know? So you just started working. Yeah, I just started working, you know, like at that time, before I left there, I was getting, my dad was sending me to Del Rio, Texas to um, work with uh, an uncle of mine that he helped buy a car dealership out there. Mm -hmm. And um, so I would do that before I went to Austin. And then when I went to Austin, they kind of asked me to go and start selling cars back at Del Rio. So I went there to sell cars okay. for a time period of, you know, about a year, year and a half or something. And I just said, I'm in Del Rio, Texas, man. I mean, you know, like, <laughs> there's like four people there, you know, like this not really, not really, um, I don't know. It was cool, but I just, eventually, I just, I should have stayed there because my dad was part owner to the car dealership and it wasn't just like a little used car lot. It was Toyota, Dodge, Jeep, Chrysler, okay. you know, it was like a legit dealership mm -hmm. um, that he helped his friend purchase. And then if I would have stayed that path and gone through there, I could have been to where my that family friend is he was my dad's one of my dad's best friends basically and okay. he helped him buy this car dealership and since then now that same friend is he owns like 10 different dealerships all through central texas wow so i could have that was a route that i could have taken you know uh-huh because my dad saw that i liked cars and i was really obsessed with cars and stuff like that so he said if you don't want to do the family business and do construction which me and my dad used to butt heads a lot and that's what he when wanted came to, to construction do. or yeah when it came to construction and okay. working with him and stuff like that i mean since i was little he always wanted me to come to work with him on the weekends and stuff like that and i did and my first job was like sweeping floors like he was doing back when he came here and watering palm trees and stuff like that and eventually wanted me to get into it but i just never did right you know why i don't know man it's just Swinging stubbornness i was just it was i was just young stubborn stupid and foolish and so you saw yeah. the potential. It was oh, I saw. I mean, dude, I was, I was, I was, you know, 12, 13 years old when my dad developed his first subdivision in Diamond Point, mm -hmm. right? And I mean, that's when my dad was like super blowing up, you know? And he was importing hundreds of palm trees from Phoenix to El Paso. And he was building, I mean, my dad didn't build houses smaller than 3,000 square feet, you know? Wow. So these are not like little, little houses. Like I saw, yes, I did see there was potential. I could see it, you know? Yeah. But I just, it wasn't something that really interested me, you know, Okay. at the time. You know how it is when you're kids, man. You yeah, know? no. I mean, I've, 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 I have so many regrets from when I was younger, but yeah. you live and learn. Exactly. So you're in Del Rio, mm -hmm. you're selling cars, mm -hmm. and then you realize, no, you shouldn't be in Del Rio or selling cars. Yeah. And then like, you go, what, back to Austin? Yeah, I then went back to Austin, and I just started selling cars there at South Point Nissan. Okay. You know, for a while, and... We was there for, I was there from like 1999 and then 2004. And then basically I came back to El Paso when my dad passed away. Okay. Mm -hmm. and, you, and I'm assuming somebody called you while you're in Austin say, hey. Actually, no, or? it's actually kind of crazy story. My, my girlfriend at the time was wanted to come to El Paso and I didn't want to because there was a Sound Tribe show, right? Happening. There was a what? Sound Tribe. Have you heard of Sound Tribe Sector 9? Yes. So I knew of them like from years ago and okay. there was a show happening at, at the, what's at the backyard or something there, some venue. Okay. And I was like, I'm not going to El Paso. I'm going to stay for the show. I'm going to stay there for, and then she started chingando for like two weeks 
chingue, chingue. So finally, I was like, you know what? If you just shut the fuck up, I'll go. So psh, I came with her. Okay. I saw my dad that night, and um, I went out that night to go see the Strokes, right? Mm-hmm. And then he said the next morning, he was Shit, like, The Strokes here in El Paso? The Strokes when they first came, the okay. first time they came to El Paso. All right. And he was like, let's hang out tomorrow. I want to talk to you, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, sure. So I went to the show, came back. And then the next morning, I woke up, went with him to work. You know, and he told me, you know what? I'm getting very busy. I'm thinking about opening a restaurant, bringing a chef from New York. And I have a lot of things in my hands, you know. And I was like, Dad, I've been thinking about it. Um, I told him that Maria, my ex-girlfriend, was going to L.A. She was already planning on moving to go mm -hmm. to Fitum out there. Mm -hmm. And I told him that I'm already planning to moving back home. Okay. And he's like, are you sure? And I was like, yes, I've been thinking about it for like the past three, four months. I'm coming home for sure. I'm going to come help you and do help you whatever you need, you know? And then the next day he dies on me. dude. Oh, shit. Really? Yeah. So I was here. So I was here. I was here. So that was that day. I went to go check with him at the houses that he went to, that he's building for the parade. Mm -hmm. And then the next day came and I went to go to lunch with um, my ex and then... I started calling him and he wasn't answering because we were supposed to hang out. And then I got a call from a cousin of mine. He was like, hey, um, my dad got a, his dad. His dad's a doctor. And he's like, my dad got a call saying that your dad's in the hospital right now. He got in a motorcycle accident. And then he came to pick me up, took me to my house. And that's when we found out that he passed away. Holy cow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So and that was like right where you were about to start. About that, yeah. I mean, that's when I, I realized, you know, I matured. I did all the whole partying thing and all that. And then I realized I need to come back home and help him. And there's big potential out here, you know. So, mm. yeah. And then I came and I literally told him that I'm coming back. And he actually believed me because I've, I've done it before many times. Yeah, I'll come back. I'll help you. And then nothing really happens. But this was like, I was like legit coming gonna, back. Coming back. Yeah. So... <laughs> So you're here, that happens. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously traumatic, you guys go through it. And then there's a gap between you doing real estate, between that happening and you starting real estate, right? Yeah. So that gap, so my dad passed away in 2004. And then what happened eventually, I mean, we all just, my whole family, me and my brother, sister, my mom, we just kind of lost it, you know? And right. there's a lot of things involved. I mean, lawyers, financial advisors, friends, family, you know, like it wasn't just a little, you know, there was a lot of things on our plate, you know, right. like he had a 600 page will, you know, if anything were to happen to him, how to do things and how to get rid of his assets and basically said on the will, my family cannot take responsibility. I need, we need to, he had like a plan already, you know? Yeah. And then, um, that's when a lot of people got involved, lawyers and financial advisors and, you know, the state trustee and all that. And then, I was, I just, I disappeared, man. I just, I lost it. I started drinking a lot and I spent like a year or two just flying around the States, just partying, you know, completely like oblivious of what's going on. Mm -hmm. And then my mom told me, you need to calm down. She was like, why don't you just go live somewhere, like leave the country? You know, she was like, go to Costa Rica, go to somewhere, just, just leave, you know, yeah. start fresh, go clear your head, you know? So Costa Rica came in mind. And I was like, you know what? That's not a bad idea. And she's like, well, well, go to Japan or something, you know? I should have gone to Japan, man. <laughs> I should have gone to Japan. Now that you say it, man. I was like, man, I, I, I <laughs> shoot myself in the foot, man. I was like, man, I should have gone to Japan. But, so, but she was like, Costa Rica, there's this little town called Tamarindo. You could go learn how to surf. You know, I'll set you up, the whole thing, you know? Okay. Just, you need, we need you to come back, 
you know, fresh and we have a lot of things on our plate, you know? Right. And then we found out it was monsoon season, you know? And I was like... Nah. In Costa Rica. In Costa Rica, yeah. I was like, what, you know, I was like, there's no point going over there. So she's like, well, just, what do you, you want to do? Where do you want to go? I was like, I'll just go to Lebanon, you know? Uh-huh. So I went to Lebanon and I was there for like a year and a half, right? Um, and then... I was there living. I have uh, we have an apartment there in, in Beirut and all that, you know. So I had my own place and everything, and I would go visit my dad's family up in the mountains, you know. And it was great. Everything was cool. I was painting, just relaxing, kind of hanging out, you know. And then my brother, I came, I, I left the states and came back to the states to visit my family. And then my brother decided he wanted to come with me, so I took him with me. So I came for a while to the states, and then me and my brother flew back to Lebanon. You know, we made a pit stop in Germany for the World Cup when it was in 2006 in Germany. Okay. We were there hanging out in Munich for a couple of days, and then we went to Lebanon. And we were there. Everything was cool for like a month or two. And then my brother left, and then I stayed, and then war happened. So war between Lebanon and Israel and Hezbollah and that whole thing happened. Right. And then I basically <coughs> got stuck there. And In Lebanon. I, I got stuck in Lebanon during the war, and it, that was like, that was pretty intense, man. You know, like... Planes flying over, dropping bombs all around the area where I was at. You know, gas stations were filled. Luckily, there was a family friend there that um, he sent his driver to come pick me up at my apartment and okay. drove me to where they were. And then what happened from there is they picked us all up and then they drove us out closer towards Syria because the way people were like leaving because the U.S. wasn't responding. No one was at the same time where Anthony Bourdain was there. Okay. And he even got stuck there. He didn't know where to. I mean, everyone right. was stuck. It doesn't matter who you were. You just couldn't get out. You couldn't get out. Yeah. So we were. I was there for like two weeks of that. The first two weeks. And then finally. The first two weeks of the conflict, you were there? I was first there for like two weeks, two or three weeks over there. Okay. And then finally they started bombing. They bombed the entrance to the town that I was in. And I mean, I woke up middle of the night, like windows shattering bomb like it's like shit happened like down the street you know <laughs> i woke shit. up the next morning i was like we're getting the fuck out of here yeah and then he was my uncle's like oh i don't know i mean we have to find a driver i was like dude we're leaving today go and find someone to drive us to the border and cross us in yeah finally he did and the guy drove us it was me my uncle zafid and his two daughters uh-huh. and we were like an old school Benz just driving to the border and basically, we were at the borderline, and it's crazy, man. There's, like, trucks filled with families, and there was even, like, ranges and, like, Bentley, like, all kinds of random baller-ass cars from with Dubai plates yeah. and people that are... Because Lebanon... They were like just a, fleeing. They're trying to get out of there, man. Yeah. I mean, Lebanon's a really big hotspot in the summer, so a lot of these oil these oil sh- kids from the Sheikh domes around the area could go to Lebanon. They could party, yeah. you know? So you could see ranges, and but I saw, like, a Bentley. I saw all... Like, not tons of baller cars, but, like, there was, like, really nice whips in the mix of just, like, whatever. Yeah. So, anyone and everyone was just trying to get the hell out, you know? Right. And finally, we crossed, okay? Into Syria. Into Syria. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was, like, they were asking me, where, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? Because they're trying to get back to America. And I was, like, I don't want to go to fucking America. I was, like, no, I'm staying around here or somewhere. I was, like, well, I can't leave you here. Mm-hmm. He's, like, you need to go somewhere. I was, like, I was, I was, like I'll fly to Amsterdam. So, I flew to Amsterdam. And I stayed in Europe for like a month. Mm-hmm. War didn't end, you know. I mean, I started in Amsterdam, went to go see some friends in Italy, 
and then they wanted to go to Greece, so I went with them to Greece. We went to the Greek islands. I tried to get as close as I could to Lebanon, right, to go back. <laughs> but my mom was like, come home, this is it. And she went crazy, and she, I eventually had to come back home to America, dude. Holy shit, so you've been literally all over the place over there. Yeah, man. I mean, I've, I've, been, I've traveled to almost 30-some countries. Okay. And... That was that was in my first round of Europe, but it was which like, I mean, and again, if like if you're in Europe, if you're in Lebanon or some whatever, mm-hmm. like thirty countries is doing like twenty states here, right? I mean, they're close yeah, yeah, to each yeah. other. They're close to each so other, so it's uh-huh. not. Mm-hmm. But it is mind blowing to say thirty countries. Yeah, I've been. So my my goal in life was I want to see thirty five countries before I was thirty five years old. Okay. Or or work with my dad and become retired and. Loaded before I was 35 years old. Right. Obviously, that didn't happen. So I went. So you're at 30? I was at, yeah. I'm, I don't know exactly, but I'm close to 30 something. Like close to 30, 30 plus. I really How old are you now? I'm 39 years old. I mean, shit. That's so I got pretty close. I mean, I I was, I could have definitely passed through 35 countries before I was 35, but I got to Thailand when I went the first time. And when I got there, I didn't feel like I needed to go anywhere else. And I was like, I'm just going to hang out here. And then obviously Japan never happened. Yeah, Japan never happened. <laughs> Even till now when I was living in Thailand, man, you know, like I never went to Japan. I went everywhere else in Southeast Asia and Asia, Korea and all that. But I right. still till now have not been to Japan. What's, what's your favorite place that you visited so far? <sighs> Out of all the places I've been, I have to say Thailand, man. You know, really? Thailand just, you know, because it just varies. Depends on the area, the culture. But when I got to Thailand the first time, I felt like a, I felt like like a piece, you know, okay. like before I was just like young and adventurous and running around and trying to explore and and, and see new cultures and wanted to. I just wanted to keep going and running and going, you know. Right. But then I got to Thailand and something just like just sat me down and just yeah. zend me out, basically. Right. And when I got there, I didn't have the urge anymore to be like going and traveling and seeing and running and, you know. Yeah. So. I would have to say probably Thailand. Then. If you had to go to one place over again, would it be Thailand or would it be somewhere? Yeah, uh-huh. 100%. You'd want to go back? Yeah. I mean, def- I mean, I lived there for like three years. In Thailand? I lived in Thailand for three years. Three okay. different, I mean, in a stretch between, it was six different winters, but I lived there for six months at a time. Mm-hmm. So I would live there six months at a time and then I would go back home to California. So winters in Thailand, summers in California. Okay. Mm-hmm. So... <clears throat> So then it gets to the point where your mom says, hey, you got to come back, and you come back. So, yeah, I came back to the States, right? Okay. And I was just so stubborn that I wanted to go back to Lebanon, you know? And my f- cousin that was taking care of me over there, he was like, Nadim, it's different after war. You know, we don't have electricity for days. There's no water, blah, blah, blah. But I was pinchy aferrado to go, so I went. So I went back to, Le- to Lebanon, and I was there again for, like, another six, seven months. And then um, I started talking to my ex-girlfriend that I lived with in Austin, mm-hmm. right? And she was already living in L.A., but she was in a whole other different situation in, in a, like compared to when I was living her with in Austin. Like, her dad bought her a condo, and she's all set up or whatever. So I started talking to her again, and then just randomly, I, f- I was like, I just came back to the States, right? And then um, my mom was going out of town, and she's like, hey... I'm going out of town. I know you just got here. It's good to see you. Here's my credit card. Um, I'll be back in a couple of days. I was like, all right, fool. I was, I'm going to go out with my friends tonight. She's like, fine. I went out, with, I went out and I saw a friend of mine I haven't seen in a long time. Okay. I was like, what's up with you, man? How you doing? He's like, oh, I'm, I'm driving back to L.A. I live in L.A. now. And I was like, really? He was like, yeah. And I was like, I'll go with you. And he's like, 
what are you talking about, bro? You just came from this. What did you? I was like, I'm, I'm coming with you, man. Just pick me up. Yeah. He's like, no, you're crazy. You're not leaving. You just came back. You have to, you know, relax and shit. I'm like, I'm going with you. Pick my ass up, you know? Yeah. And then he picked me up. This was in 2007. And he, I drove with him to LA and I stayed in California for 12 years. <laughs> <laughs> just like that. Just like that, man. Okay. That's it. Yep. So I got to California and I was there. Um, I started in San Diego with a friend of mine that's from here. I hung out with him for like six months. Well, actually, the first day I got to California, I saw we, my friend that drove me. He's like, I'm going to go stay with a friend of mine, David, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. We're going to stay there the first night before we drive all the way into, Calif- into L.A. County. Okay. I was like, all right, that's fine. That friend ended up being my best friend from elementary school, <laughs> right? And we were like, David Ramos, Nadine? I was like, man, what? So crazy, <laughs> random situation, right? Right. So we hung out that night. The next day, we drove to Hermosa Beach. And my first, first official day there in L.A., we were at Hermosa Beach at some sushi place. They're off the pier, right? Okay. Got super hammered and pff, walked. I walked out of the bar. Don't know what happened. I guess I fell or something. Cop picked me up, took me to jail. <laughs> My first day in California. <laughs> picked me up, took me to jail. That's when I, I didn't have anyone's number. <laughs> Hell, that I didn't know anyone except my ex-girlfriend's. Right. So I called her, and she's like, what do you mean you're in California? I just talked to you like a week ago. You were in Lebanon. I was like, I'm in Rosa Beach. I don't know what's happening. You know? So then she called our mutual friend, and that's how they found me, and they picked me up. And that's how I started. That was my first journey. That was your, that was your first day in California. First day in California. And then you spent 12 years out there. Mm-hmm. So I'm, okay, at what age... Damn, this is a lot. You, you've lot done shit, a man. lot in 39 years. I've done a lot, man. I've seen... I mean, we, your podcast would have to be here for like a week, right? <laughs> <laughs> so this ain't going to be an hour thing, player. You know what I'm saying? Like, gonna we're we're going to have to skim a lot of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So at what age did you get to California? I got to California when I was 27. 27. 26 or 27. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. You stay in California 12 years, and then what brings you back? Real estate, dude. Okay, so how did you get into that? Like, out of I mean, all the things in the world that you've seen, honestly, man, I would you come say back, real estate in El Paso? Because I would come here and see how it's blowing up out here, and I was like, dude, I got so much leverage here. You know, like I just need to come here, and because everyone's tell, everyone used to tell me when I come here, they're like, you should come and build houses, build houses. I'm like, not ching out building houses at the, no, thank you, no, you know, mm-hmm. but I'll come and sell them for you, mm-hmm. you know. I just thought the only way for me to get into it other than building them, because it's a pain in the ass to build houses, dude, right. you know? I was like, I'll just get my real estate license, you know? And I'm the kind of person, when I do something, I focus on it, I like zero in on it, and I do it, and I'm like full blast, you know? And I was just... So I, you got your license. I got my license. And, and you and end up with the Magalicious Mareg group. My Magalicious, my boys at the Mareg, yeah. Well, I mean... It, was that your first stop? Well, it's because of Carlos. I've known Carlos for like 15 years. Okay. We're old homies, you know, and the only reason Carlos why... Carlos is the owner of Point. Point Homes. Point yeah, Homes. exactly. Okay. And the only reason why I went to hang out with Mario and them is because of Carlos. You know what I mean? Okay. I don't know who Mario was or I didn't know Marek. I didn't know they even existed or nothing, you know? Okay. But I was hanging out with Carlos, talking to him, and then he was like, well, where are you going to go? What are you going to do? I was like, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going to go or what... I, I was like, I don't know. I'm just getting my license, which took me forever, but I eventually got it. <laughs> what was forever? I took like, a goddamn test like six times, man. <laughs> Why? So retarded. 
What, what, what couldn't you do? The state or the national? The state. Obviously. Both of them. One of Both. them. The fifth one. The, 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 the sixth one, I finally passed. No. It, I, and every time I failed it, it was by one point. No. It, I, it think, me, I think they say it, that to everyone. It took Because everybody like, that I talk to is, I failed it by one point. I failed it by one point. I think, this, I think they tell you one point so you don't feel bad. No, I mean, you it's there on the thing. You know how you could see? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I so. I don't know. Whatever. It's fucking <laughs> retarded. Right? It, just, it took me forever, dude. You know? Okay. Finally, when I did... Um, the whole situation with Carlos at point, he was leaving Summis, right? Uh-huh. And then that's when he called me. He's like, I know you have, you get, you're just getting your, your, cause I was, I was hanging out with him, you know? Right. He's like, when you get your license, you know, holler at me, I might have, yeah, I might be changing things up, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, fine. You know? So I called him. I was like, I got my license. He's like, all right, call this guy, Mario and, um, go meet with him. And you have to be under our umbrella with Keller Williams at the time. Right. Right. And I was like, fine. So that's why I went to go hang out with them. Okay. You know, explain to me oh, this beer is really good. Founders All Day IPA. Founders season. All Day IPA. See, this is this was my summertime beer in California, dude. It's a really good beer. Um, so tell me about Mareg. How how was your experience there with them? It was cool, man. I I shout out to my boys out there. You know, they're they're my homies. They're pretty funny. They're cool. It was cool. It was it definitely an experience for sure. Uh-huh. You know, because and then Mareg was where you. Landed the Thunderfoot nickname, Thunderfoot. right? Yes, so Mr. explain. <laughs> yes, Mr. You and your so, Thunderfoot. So, yes, Mr. Thunderfoot. So, yes. So, what you called him? You, you. I did start that. Yes, you did. No, I did it. Yes, you did. I first heard it from Mario. So no, you explain. Didn't. You started Thunderfoot. No, no, I did it. So explain to I, everybody. It's okay. I, I still, I'm still like you. I'm here doing your little podcasting thingy, whatever. <laughs> You're here in my house, way. I'm doing your podcast. You can admit I it. Swear, you, I you swear. I swear to everything that I hold okay, Mr. near okay. and dear to my heart mm-hmm. that I did not start the Thunderfoot nickname. So explain to everybody how you got why? the Thunderfoot why nickname. Why? Uh, Why? You don't have to talk. If you, everyone if, knows. If Everyone's. you don't want to, if you don't want to talk about it, we won't everyone talk about it. Everyone knows about Thunderfoot. So you don't want to talk about it. Then? Everyone knows about Thunderfoot. Okay. Who doesn't know? You want to just skip it? It's fine. I'll tell you. If you want to go, under yes, the, I want to. Can I send that the Okay, fine. Yes, I do. Tell me. Uh, Thunderfoot. Okay, so how did Thunderfoot happen? First off, Mario. Mm-hmm. Mario. Well, so Ayala? first off, Mario Ayala. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. Well, so because I mean, honestly, I learned a lot from them. And I mean, yes, I was knowledgeable of construction because of my dad, blah, 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 but not really. But I did have a good... You knew the uh, basics. I knew the basics. I knew, right. I, I knew, you know. But because um, Mario runs a type ship over there, type ship, and he's training extensively and he needs product knowledge and all that. So I learned a lot, you know. Right. And then when I found out that <clears throat> all of these builders, 90% of them are building their houses out of cardboard, right? It kind of pissed me off. I don't know about 90%. Okay, Mr. Palo Verde, cardboard, big cardboard. No. Anyways, keep going. It, All right, keep going. All right. There's a lot of you, man. There's okay. a lot of you. Okay. Yes. There's a lot. Because you guys didn't. We didn't. Okay. All right. So once I found that out, uh-huh. it kind of pissed me off. I'm not going to lie. Okay. Right? You know, it's either styrofoam or cardboard. And I was like, this is bullshit. So I kind of took it and I ran with it. Right? Okay. So. And that was your pitch. That was my pitch. Okay. I mean, I sold. A lot of houses because of that. <laughs> okay, a lot, right? Yeah. So, how many houses did you guys close at under, your highest peak? Under point, I sold close to tw- around twenty or something like that. Okay. And in less than a year period, because you know, like I kind of started falling off during the winter, you know. Yeah. But um, how long were you with them all together? 
I mean, I started them. I started with them, and I was with them until March of this year. So like a year, so a, a little a over year, a year. Yeah, a little bit over, a little over a year. Uh-huh, okay. Uh-huh. All right. So once I found that <clears> out, <throat> you know, I let it be known out of at every single person that walked in that our houses are made out of plywood, not cardboard. Okay. And they were like, "What do you mean this and this and that?" So, Which okay, again, another break. It's not plywood. Your houses are not made of plywood. What are they made out of? Again, just it's disclosure. Wood. It's wood. it's not made out of plywood, right? What is it made out of? Oh, I'm just saying. Okay, keep going. So you you're telling people that your houses are made of plywood, and then and then one time. I was with Jesus Biseño, right? Okay. <laughs> All right. And I walked up to a house and basically I tried to kick a hole in the wall. <laughs> okay. And my very good friend Jesus Biseño filmed me, right, doing this. Right. And I didn't even kick a, I didn't even kick a hole in the wall, right? I didn't even put a hole in the thing. But you he filmed me. I right. just kicked it. Right. I, mean, I gave it a couple of attempts, you know, but I didn't kick it, you know. <laughs> you were attempting. I was trying to, man, <laughs> to you know. To put a hole in the wall. Okay. And then he filmed me. Uh-huh. I mean, granted, I still sold the house to the people and everything. They were like, I can't believe this, you know. And you still sold the point house. I still, I still sold that. Like, I closed Did it close? I closed. Yes, I closed, I closed okay. it, everything, you All know. Right. I mean, I, I didn't have a lot of bombs until towards the end. Like, at my my closing ratio was pretty high, is what Mario was telling me, you know. Mm. Um. But and then they filmed me. And then the next day, like a few weeks, I don't know, something. It was a while before it was a, they yeah, came something, out, no? something. Yeah. I don't know. But eventually Mario calls me and he was like, There's a video of you trying to kick a hole in someone's <laughs> someone someone, right? House. Did you do this? And I was like, Maybe. <laughs> and then and then it just turned into a disaster. Right. They, they put me on blast. You know, and then it was just kind of a situation that some is where, I mean, first of all, I know I should have known better and I shouldn't have done that first and foremost. And I do apologize. And, you know, right. But um, eventually they reported me to Trek, you know, and it turned into like a big situation. And I mean, my uncle owns, I mean, I'm, I'm the owner of some is, you know, which yeah. is not Preston. It's, you know, right. It's um, it's what's his name's Karim. Um, it's one of my uncles, right? Basically that owns some is, you right. know, and it came to the point where I was like kind of worried because I just got my license. I was really excited. I was selling houses. And it came to the point I was like, man, do I have to call my uncle, you know, to tell him about the situation? And basically it just kind of died off. But they put the video on Facebook. Right. And they blasted me super hard. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know, 10,000 views or whatever. And ever since then, it still comes to me, you know, like it's people come like, oh, you're, you're the guy that kicked the hole. Yes. I mean, I'm doing it, you know. I'm just doing it. You love, you love I, I, it. You love yeah, it. I, I, I just like bringing it up. I mean, like, but I get it. I mean, I think, and you're right. You know, you were, you were looking out for that buyer. You were looking out was, for your builder. I look up for all my clients, you were, man. You were looking out for, yeah, whether it's, whether it's your client or an agent that says you're looking out for the, for that exactly. specific buyer exactly. and you're working on behalf of your builder. So exactly. did you take it to the extreme? Yeah, yes. probably. I did. I mean, as, you know, you, you can point things out, but yeah. you know, it is what it is. You yeah. Know? yeah. You still have your license. I still so have my license. <laughs> Nothing ever happened, and I'm I'm known like someone came to who was it? Someone, I, uh, they were like, "You're you're a man of the people, Nadim." I I never met this person before, and they're like, "You Nadim Hajar?" I was like, "Yeah." It's like, 
you kicked the hole in the wall. I was like, that's like, you're a man of the people, man. I appreciate who was, I was Marshall Martin. I had Lone Star. He's my new friend. He's my new buddy now. I'm going to be closing a lot of deals with him. Yeah, He's like, I appreciate it, man. You're a man of the people. You need to let people need, people need to know and this and this and that. I never met the guy in my life. Yeah. You know, I had a closing with him, but I, it was during Corona, whatever. So I just saw him at a distance. I had to sign something. Yeah. And, you know, people actually are, they, they, they cheer it on, basically. And if people want to see the video, they can find it. Uh, on, no. um, <laughs> at, uh, <laughs> you can find it at Usta Calle. <laughs> How about that? All right. So you, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, go for it. No, that's all right. That's cool. We can wait. You had to mention Thunderfoot, man. No, it's fun. Honestly, man, it's actually kind of funny, and it happened, and, you know, my PR girl, when it happened, I had to talk to her about it, and she was like, you know, she kind of gave me a spanking and she was like, don't be doing stuff like this, you know, but right. no publicity is not bad publicity. Kind of like just go with it and run with it, but just, you know, yeah. just don't do that stuff anymore, you know, because I have a PR girl that helps me out with a lot of my stuff and she, yeah. she was kind of like, dude, people know nah, who, I mean, we all, we all make we mistakes. We all make We've mistakes. All done you know, we make mistakes, but I mean, she started coming to me with like, people know who you are, people know your father, you know, you have a heritage here, a legacy, nah, 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 nah. you can't be going around kicking holes in walls, man, right. you know? So I just, I scratched that off. I mean, and again, it won't happen again, but, I'm, you know, during your real estate career, you make mistakes and I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. you grow with it. Exactly. So, um, so you're with Mario for a little over a year and a half and then just recently you separated. Yeah. The recently I just separated, I moved over with um, Sandy Messer. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and um, why? Why the change? Why? Honestly, man, because... Um, I would have called her from the beginning because Sandy Messer was, she started off at the same time that my dad did. She was my dad's listing agent for a very long time. I've known her since I was a baby, you know, mm -hmm. and I would have called her from the beginning, honestly, and I probably would have just gone with her from the jump, mm -hmm. you know, but Carlos invited me and I appreciate him and I have, I have big respect and love to Carlos at point, you know, and admire him. And I mean, he's, you know, done very, he's been very successful, very smart dude. And I've, and he's, he's a homie, you know? Right. So I just went with there, and I, I kind of felt, too, I need to get my feet a little bit wet before I called Sandy, you know? Um, and I mean, we're in a seller's market right now, you know? Like, I was just kind of over mm -hmm. it, chasing, running around, showing people houses, and, you know, it's kind of, I'm, I want people to start coming to me. You right. know what I mean? I'm over it with the sense of running and chasing and this and that, and no, 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 I don't like this, and, you know, like, I'm kind of over it, you know? I, you've, done, you've done it enough to kind of, well, I mean... I mean, for a year and a half. I for mean, a year I and a half, you're still, I mean, I mean, you're still kind of considered I mean, I got pretty, I mean, Mario has a very good, strong social media presence. That's how I met you because you guys, he was the mm -hmm. social media guy at, uh, at NAREP and whatever. I mean, right. I got, I'm very proud to say that I was with them and I, and I hung out with them because I learned a lot and he put me on blast, dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he made sure that, you know, the whole live video thing is something that I took it and I ran with it because mm -hmm. I knew... I know I did a lot of research on Facebook and social media and all the algorithms and things that happen in Facebook. But like in the sense of what I learned, new construction, social and all that, I learned a lot, you know. Mm -hmm. But I kind of started seeing, I started learning fairly quickly that 
there's just not enough supply for the man of demand for homes out there right now, right. you know, and I need to be and I need to be on the other end and just start picking up listings, you know, you've done. Have you done listings? You have only done one like, or two. Yeah, right? exactly. Like one or two. Exactly. What? Yeah. Uh, what do you prefer so far? Buyers? I sellers? prefer listings, man. Listings? A hundred percent. I prefer listings. And that's pretty much what Sandy wants me to be. She's like, obviously, since I'm still young in the game and I still need to get my feet wet when it comes to listings, you know, mm -hmm. she wants me to be, um, Nothing under two hundred fifty thousand and on the west side. Okay, you know? that's where that's the plan that she has for me. And obviously, I have to still, you know, pick up whatever you know that I could get. Right. Which I, I'm getting. They're sending me a. I, I I get at least several leads a week through the office because we have a big, we have multiple big accounts with relocation companies throughout the country. You know. Mm -hmm. So like, I have a lot of. I'm working with at least six or seven clients right now, all out of state, all military based coming from these relocation companies, you know, right. that they're sending me, okay. right? But she's, I mean, before the coronavirus, it was, I, she was basically preaching about loving my social media presence. She wants me to keep happening, keep doing that, you know, and mm -hmm. that we're going to be coalescing together. I'm going to be, she's taking me under her wing. Basically, she's like a mother figure, you know, okay. and I still call her to, I still talk to her quite frequently, you know, and she's just takes care of me, basically, right. you know. But because of coronavirus, she closed the office like a week after I signed with her, mm -hmm. um, which was like the first week of March. So like she was already a month ahead of lockdown and that whole spiel. Right. So I kind of threw a wrench in our situation about, you know, because I was going to be going more live pushing. I had I have access to all of her listings anytime that I want, you know, mm -hmm. just she wants me to she wanted me to st keep the social going and live videos. But after Corona, it's just like everything just changed man you know yeah it just threw a wrench it threw yeah, a wrench yeah. into everyone's thing the world's not going to be the same anymore 100 percent after this situation and we're just lucky that we're in a we're in a we're in an industry that is essential mm -hmm. you know and because of interest rates i mean this is times where you got to start you got to start pushing pretty hard and just start stacking your chips because at the end you don't know what's going to happen right now yeah you know and the best thing to be is just heavy on cash and start saving and wish for the best man you know yeah i mean only time is going to tell what's going to happen what uh what are you guys I, you because you recently got married i Again, recently got married anybody doesn't know congratulations thank you what thank is you your so. what does your wife do um my wife works at the verizon headquarters okay mm -hmm. which is like the call center they have a big call center here and the east side and they're working remotely right um now they're working from home yeah right another another situation where they I, so i started locking down you know, the first week of March after Sandy closed the office, she told me, I don't want you to be running around. Don't be in the streets anymore. Right. Let's just kind of just hang low, you know. So that same time they sent my wife also to work from home. Right. But she's an essential business also. So she started working mm -hmm. from home. And what I started doing was just since Sandy kind of told me to lay low, I just came. I just bought a house recently and I was f flipping it, fixing it and working in that for the meantime, you know. Right. Mm. What um, what do you see with the virus? What do you see happening? What do you honestly, think? man? It's kind of. Do funny. you have? Do you guys have kids? We do not have kids. Not yet. No, we have my little my little baby Orchata. Uh, my I got I just got a new dog. I my little <laughs> yes. my little, little chola. my little chola my little chilanga chola. <laughs> I call her my chilanga chola because she's from Distrito Federal, Mexico. <laughs> Says who? My dog came from Mexico City, dude. Oh, really? She comes from five generations of breeders of Frenchies, mini uh -huh. Frenchies, uh -huh. right? Not fat, 
regular Frenchie, like mini Frenchie. Okay. And um, she's born in she was born in Mexico City. Her her papers say her first name was Cookie. Really? Yeah. Yeah. No, my dog comes from a reputable breeder yeah. from Mexico City. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but no kids yet. I mean, we're you know we're honestly, man. We, this whole Corona situation, it was kind of funny because the first time I heard of it was like in December. Mm -hmm. You know, my wife was telling me there's this Corona thing in China, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, I'm telling you now, mark my words. If they don't ground all flights uh -huh. and close all airports now, shit's going to hit the fan. Right. And and I was like, and if they don't do that, shit's going to hit the fan. And then the looting's going to start. Something's going to happen. And it's going to just flip a switch, make people go ape shit. And then that's when looting and violence is going to start happening and I didn't even remember I said this, to be honest with you. I say a lot of shit, right? Yeah. But and then, like, the other day, she told me, she's like, remember when you said about the looting? <laughs> you know, she's like, getting at me, kind of like, and I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, you said about the airports, and if they didn't close them, and then you just went on some psycho rant. Uh -huh. I was like, shit. And she's like, and you're right. Look at what's happening. Look at where we are now. And she's like, be, she always tells me, be, be careful what you say, basically. Mm. You know what I mean? And I, I was like, shit. And she's like, dude, don't, even though, even though you say it and just whatever, but people's words are very, they're more than just words. You know right. what I mean? Right. And fuck, I was like, and I didn't, I mean, I didn't even think it was going to get this bad, dude. You know? I mean, I know China and this, and they, they always go through sh shit like that over there. Right. But man, when I heard it the first time, I, I knew it. I mean, because I traveled, dude. I flew and I've been, you know, I spent 10 years in the air, dude. Yeah. I was basically in an airport or an airplane. I wouldn't go up like a month or so unless I got to Thailand. You know, I was I was in the air for ten years, yeah, you were basically. Traveling, yeah, traveling. back and forth, right? Yeah. So when I when I heard this, I was like, oh, for sure. If the the if the flights are not grounded, we're screwed. Right. And here we are now, dude. There's 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 two more things that I want to ask you before mm -hmm. we finish. The first one, I don't want to get too deep into it because mm -hmm. I don't like talking about politics there do i i was gonna tell you don't talk about that shit well i'm just gonna ask you one question and it's only because i get I'm, I'm 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 friends with julio and mario and we talk about this stuff all the time jokingly uh -huh. did you ever clash with them never uh about this no stuff? Or, no, no, or, no no i mean i know they're that julio's a trump supporter and joe and them and whatever right Dude, honestly i don't care man yeah i really don't like if you're a trump supporter you're not i mean to me I don't really give a shit. I don't. I don't vote. I don't talk about politics. I don't give a shit about you don't politics. Vote? Why don't you vote? Dude, the only time I voted was for Obama because my African American friend made me vote. He basically was like, "We're gonna vote black power," you know, like this, like you know, black is back, Jack. You know, he started saying yeah. all this stuff, you know, and I didn't give a shit. I was all. I but was, why don't you vote? Because it's a bunch of bullshit, man. Yeah, it's I a mean, bunch of bullshit for the most part. Yeah, but don't so, you think you should? Um. Yeah, I think I should, but. The world is so crazy now, man. It doesn't. I mean, I don't give a shit, man. All right. I just roll that's, with the that's punches. I, I just go with whatever happens, man. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? You, I, I roll with the punches, you, man. You need to. You need to do. You need to make the best out of whatever situation. Yeah, exactly. You're in. I mean, exactly. It's really exactly. what it is. So. That's no, there was never because I mean, sometimes I would talk shit because <laughs> Trump's a fucking moron, whatever. But, <laughs> but I mean, you know, I would, I would, we would talk shit, but we wouldn't like get in heated arguments because I don't really care what, you yeah. know. And okay. it really didn't come out that much. I mean, the first time I heard that Joe and, and Julio are Trump supporters, I was like, what? Julio, I wasn't surprised. Joe, I was surprised. You know, I was like, Joe, you, Joe, 
Joe. And he was like, and I was like, he's like, yeah, man. I mean, it's also because of the tax breaks and people are rich. I know a lot of rich people, man, you know, and Mm -hmm. a lot of them voted for Trump because of tax breaks, you know. But at the end. I mean, because, again, economically. And economically, yes, it made sense because he's a businessman and all that, right? Morally and else. Exactly. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Okay. So that's that's our that's our segment on politics. That's it. Yeah, thank you. Number two, um, let's talk about your hiatus in California in December. You're 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 a uh, 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 supporter of medicinal remedies. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so what I did, Li- which likewise, and that's the reason I ask. Yeah. No, I'm I'm very big supporter of medicinal marijuana. You know, mm-hmm. I grew I grew medical licensed weed for seven years in california okay so i basically had my own garden had my own farm granted thank god i ran into some of my little brother's old friends mm-hmm. in san francisco when i was living there okay so I mean, when i lived in california for 12 years i wasn't just like in one place you know you lived up and down i i, I started in the bottom and i went all the way to the top i would have ended up in canada if i stayed there dude you know yeah. i started in san diego went to la i was in la lived in san francisco for like three years lived in oakland for like a year and then that's when one of my little brother's friends, I ran into him randomly at Sea of Dreams in San Francisco, a New Year festival. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I have five farms up in um, Grass Valley. Come and help me harvest and we'll just go from there, you know. And at that time, you know, these guys were getting like $3,500 a pound. So I was getting paid $225 a pound to trim mm-hmm. weed, you know. Okay. So I did really good. I crushed it, man. I made like 25 grand my first for two months Mm -hmm. I did, but I crushed it. Like I was, you know, working hard. Yeah. And then my friend took the whole trim team to Hawaii. And when we came back, that was my first trip to Thailand. I went to Egypt, Thailand, Laos, and Cambodia. I was gone for like three or four months. And before I left, he was like, hey, man, if an opportunity comes up, I'll come and put you on one of my farms, blah, blah, blah. And at the time, I didn't give a shit. I was like, I got 25,000 bucks in my pocket in two months. Later, bitches. I was gone, you know? <laughs> I didn't give a shit about whatever. Right. But I came back, and he was like, "You have, I have an opportunity for you if you want to come. You have to go to the doctor. You have to get a script. I had to get a license and the whole spiel. But, um, yeah, I grew, I grew medical marijuana for seven, about seven, like six or seven summers. Okay. And that's what I did out there. All right. You know, and that's why, that's how I got to Thailand to live there. Mm-hmm. I would grow, I would put my plants in the ground in May, harvest in October, done by November and go November to like March or April, but basically come back to May, you know, Thailand for six months, California for six months right. in the summer. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and what have you, I mean, obviously medicinal, right? I mean, yeah. you, uh-huh. you, you. That's what you guys grew it for. Yeah, I mean, 100% all organic, no pesticides, you know, I mm-hmm. mean, top-in fertilizer, well, you know, everything. I mean, it was top-notch, top stuff. If you go to a dispensary, my stuff would be top-notch, like top Do you shelf. see, do you keep up with the with the states that are legalizing it and things yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah, I definitely do. And I actually have had a, a lot of people come to me here in Texas that want consultation, you know, right. want me for consultation when it comes legal in Texas, you know. Even people coming up to me wanted to do like open dispensaries and things like that out in New Mexico. But I mean, it's just it, it, if you didn't have your foot in the door 10 years ago, don't even try, man. Mm. You know, it's just not it's not what people think. That, yes, it's a gold, uh, the new gold rush is the green rush. They call it and blah, blah, blah. But I mean, it's 
so government regulated and there's it's such a monopoly you know right now where yeah. it's not it's not any normal joe schmo could just get into it you know and that was a question do you think texas is going to get to the point of, of legalizing? i definitely think so yeah i mean texas loves money you know and do you make a lot of money from this and mm -hmm. it will it might be one of the last states you know but i'm sure they will at some point you okay. know but i mean if they do that'll be that'll be awesome you know uh, that's another venture that's another that's yeah a, i mean dude if i could have Go buy a couple acres and throw hundreds of plants in the ground. Shit right here, right next to the freeway. <laughs> right, right next to the freeway. Right next to the freeway. People be like, right? <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I I am a very big supporter of it. I mean, I and especially I got honestly. I mean, I got very lucky to get into it. I mean, th the first time I had my first garden was in two thousand, like, nine or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I grew one hundred fifty pounds my first summer, dude. And that's not. I mean, I, granted, I. I could have had more than 200 or 200, over 200, mm -hmm. but it rained right before I <coughs> harvested. And I had like, they used to call them my buddies that grow out there. They thought they were like, what are you doing? How could you, you know, cause they gave me the ingredients. They told me what to do. I never done this. I didn't, I haven't even put in a, a flower or a plant on the ground to grow nothing. I had no idea about this, you know, but I got blessed and I brought God, they brought me in. It's a whole other world up there. I mean, grass Valley, California, you know, out there, Sonoma County and all that. I mean, not Sonoma, but, you know, uh, Mendocino. It's there's a whole other world out there, man. You know, right. it's not they don't live. No, this not normal, you know. Yeah. And the fact that I did so good the first year, they were like, everyone was like blown away. They were like, how the what the hell did you do? Right. All I did was really I I used I used to be really I'm getting back into it. I used to meditate a lot, you know, read a lot of books and. Just what I read when I did research, the plants are living organisms, you know? So right. if you talk to them, you meditate with them, you sing. I used to sing to them. I used to name each. I had my first garden. I had 33 plants in the ground. I named one after every a different country I wanted to go to. Mm -hmm. You know, I would go to the river. I mean, because it's beautiful out there. I was in the middle of nowhere, the Tahoe National Forest. Okay. And I would go to the rivers and hang out there during the day, bring rocks, put them on the beds of the plant and here you go, mamisita, whatever. And, you know, I even built like a, like a triangular shaped, like altar in the garden, you know, cause uh -huh. I know that triangles help the increase of grow, right. you know, everything I was doing helps the exponential increase of, of their growing like by thousands of percent, Yeah, you know? And that's what I told them. And they're kind of like, damn, we don't even do that shit for our plants, you know? <laughs> so I basically went there and I kind of propelled, helped them, grow way more than they used to. I mean, my buddy had five or six gardens, you know, he would grow at least 200 pounds each garden, you know, so he would make a couple mils a year. How you know quick, I mean? how quick does a plant grow? So if you put it in the ground, you should be putting it in around May. Okay. Um, and then it will start flowering after like the first, you know, two months or so, you know, okay. it depends on the type of strain. Right. Right. But I mean, you won't start seeing, seeing nugs. They won't start nugging out until like the middle of the middle of the grow season, you mm -hmm. know? So you, they'll still be little babies. I mean, I've put stuff in the ground that is like, just like a foot, you know? Right. And my, some of them, I had plants that were up to like 15 feet tall, and, mm -hmm. you know, massive. Like they're not plants. They're like trees, like basically. Trees, yeah. Huge, huge, <laughs> big colas, you know, like big Super Bowl nuggets. Yeah. Like it was, it was definitely an experience. And I wish I would have saved, I wish I would have saved a lot of that money, man. I went, I spent, I, 
But now you have a beautiful no, yeah, home. Yeah. I, don't, and I don't take anything I'm, I'm for sure, granted. I'm I sure had, the money was well spent. It was well spent in travels for sure. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, two things. Mm-hmm. Last two things. Yeah. One, if possible, I want you to give me, or I want you to give everybody a easy Arabic phrase for them to learn. Something nice. No curse words. No, Arabic just something, something nice. Something simple, something that people can listen to, repeat it, and maybe use it. Arabic maybe like a good morning or, uh, you know, how are you? Something like I that. I mean, a nice phrase. Shu ya shub. Say that again. Shu ya shub. Shu ya shub. That's not even a phrase. That's just messing around. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> no, uh, a beautiful phrase. Just a nice phrase. Um, like good morning. How do you say good morning in Arabic? Good morning. Like hello, kifak, kifsaktik. It's like hello, how are you? You know. Say it again. Kifak, kifsaktik. You know, hello, how are you? Okay. Meshilhal is like I'm good. Um, Allah Akbar. Allah Akbar. Yeah. That's from Aladdin, isn't it? No way. That's people give me give me <laughs> crap about it because Allah Akbar is what like. Muslims say when they pray, you know. Okay. But uh, that's God is good. God is good. Allah Akbar. Allah Akbar. Allah Akbar. Allah, Allah Akbar. Akbar to my boy JC Robredo. <laughs> <laughs> he loves that. <laughs> Allah Akbar, JC. Allah Akbar. I'm I'm pretty positive mm-hmm. because me and my brother saw this movie every single day when we were little. I'm pretty sure that came out somewhere in Aladdin. It probably Allah did. Akbar. Yeah, it probably did. That's a very famous phrase. I mean, Allah it's Akbar. the same thing that terrorists would scream before when they're shooting guns or whatever Allah Akbar or whatever but but I mean it's a good it's a good form of saying God is great you know God is great Allah Akbar okay. Allah Akbar now yeah. I want you to give everybody a phrase or something in mm-hmm. Arabic but I don't want you to tell us what it is and people that are listening maybe replay it and listen to it and google it or something and figure out what it means Nikki Fiki <laughs> <laughs> alright don't say what it is me, myself, I'll go Google it later. I'll tell you right now. What is it again? Niki Fiki. Niki Fiki? Yeah. Nikki I don't Fiki. even think it will come up if you Google it, to be honest with you. It's like a slang. All right. We'll figure right. it out. Uh, any last words you want to give to the people listening? Um, no. Just um, I hope you're all safe out there. You know, stay busy. I know there's a lot of agents and people in real estate that are listening in. But um, stay safe. Keep trucking out. You know, stay busy. And um, Godspeed. All right, guys, that was Nadim. Um, I want to give you guys a quick update, uh, some stats. Uh, 1,333, weird number. 1,333 listens to the last episode with uh, Galeria Lincoln. Thank you guys so much for supporting um 59 percent uh heard it on apple podcast um and then an astonishing 62 percent of the listeners are female so that's pretty cool um anyways that was the interview with nadim thank you guys so much for coming back thank you guys for listening to all the other episodes thank you guys for the for the support every time an episode comes out um let me know what you guys think if you guys have any suggestions if you guys have any ideas if uh, you know of anybody interesting out there um that you would like to know more about 
you know, we'll, we'll try our best and um, we'll see you guys uh, next time.